Well, good morning. Hey, we are wrapping up our series on Exodus and we have so much to cover today. So we're going to dive right in. If you're taking notes, I invite you to write this down. Exodus is epic. It's epic. This is the book of the Bible where we find powerful pharaohs who enslave God's people for hundreds of years. It's the book where we're introduced to Moses and the account of the burning bush. It's also where we're introduced to Joshua, the person that Moses hands the torch off to. It's where God unleashes signs and wonders that devastate Egypt and liberate his people. It's the origin story for the Passover. It's where we find God's people following a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It's where God parts the Red Sea and provides man in the wilderness and gives them the Ten Commandments. And Exodus is where the Ark of the Covenant and the Tabernacle make their first appearance. All of this and so much more is found in the book of Exodus. Without it, children's storybook Bibles would be a lot shorter. Without it, those old school flanographs would use a lot less material. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, without it would have never became the camp classic that it is. And as we've seen over the last nine weeks, it is hard to think of a book of the Bible that is more relevant for what we've been going through over these last four months. If you're taking notes, you may want to write this one down too. Exodus is filled with timeless teaching. This is a book that has provided hope and inspiration for billions of people for thousands of years. In Exodus, we find a God who acts in history. We find a God who sees the oppressed. We see a God who raises up leaders to confront injustice and a God who calls upon the people that he saves to live differently. Exodus is as relevant today as ever. We're entering into a wilderness it feels so unfamiliar to so many of us. Many of us aren't sure at times if we're going to make it. Exodus speaks to that. Many of us look at the challenges we're facing. We don't just feel unqualified. We feel disqualified. Exodus speaks to that. People, they talk about wanting to go back to normal. Do you remember 2019? Why would you want to go back to that? Wouldn't it be better if we chart a course towards something better? Exodus speaks to that. We're living in a time with so many unknowns. How do we ensure that the path that we're on isn't going to lead us off a cliff? Exodus speaks to that. These four months that we've been in, they have been a wake-up call in countless ways. And one of them is this wake-up to the reality that financial security is ultimately an oxymoron. If you're beginning to wake up to the reality that your job isn't as secure as you once thought, Exodus speaks to that. You and I make terrible gods. Can I get an amen? Amen. How do we begin to get a sense of how we can align our lives with our Creator's protective and purposeful laws? Exodus speaks to that. Exodus also speaks to the reality that the lawgiver is a way maker. When we fall short, when we lose our way, how do sinful people like you and me become reconciled with a holy God? Exodus speaks to that and so much more. I can't think of a book 
that is better suited for the season that we're in. Well, this journey that we have been on has led us to the end of chapter 34. Some scholars refer to chapter 34 as the theological center of the book of Exodus. Stone tablets with the Ten Commandments were remade. And, fun fact, one of my sources said that you're not going to find a passage in the entire Bible that is quoted by the Bible itself more times than Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 7. That is where God discloses what he has already demonstrated, that he is compassionate, he's gracious, he is slow to anger, he is abounding in unrelenting love and faithfulness. It also makes it clear there that he's a God of justice who cannot overlook sin and wickedness. All right, and what does Moses do in that moment? What does Moses do? The very next verse, 34, 8. If you have your Bible with you, let's look this one up. Exodus chapter 34, verse 8 says this. And Moses quickly bowed his head towards the earth and worshiped. All right, that's where we've been. Today, we're going to look at how the author of Exodus, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, brings this epic section of this epic book to an end. Let's skip ahead to the final chapter, chapter 40. And today we're going to read the entire chapter. We're going to read all of it. And the reason we're doing that is because this section was constructed so purposefully, so intentionally. And I want to invite you as we're reading through this, look for patterns and look for parallels and look for phrases that are repeated. All right, here we go. Exodus chapter 40, and we're going to start with verses 1 through 3. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, on the first day of the first month, you shall erect a tabernacle of the tent of meeting and you shall put in it the ark of the testimony and you shall screen the ark with the veil. All right, let's talk about this a little bit here. The SV does a really good job as, as do a number of translations with the translation here. In earlier chapters, there was a tent of meeting. And it had already been constructed. God had already been at work using it. Well, the tabernacle was about to replace that tent. And so you see this intentional redundancy of the language here. The timing is worth noting too. When is this happening? Do you remember? It was the first day of the first month. So this is their equivalent of January 1st. This is the dawn of a new era. This is the start of something wonderful and new. All right, we're going to look now at verses 4 through 16. All right, here we go. It says this, and you shall bring in the table and arrange it. You shall bring in the lampstand and set up the lamps and you shall put the golden altar for incense before the ark of the testimony and set up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. You shall set the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle in the tent of meeting and place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. You shall set up the court all around and hang up the screen for the gate of the court. Then you shall take the anointing oil, anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it and consecrate it and all its furniture that it may become holy. You shall also 
also anoint the altar burnt offering and all its utensils and consecrate the altar so that the altar may become most holy. You shall also anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate it. You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and shall wash them with water and put on Aaron the holy garments. And you shall anoint him and consecrate him that he may serve me as priest. You shall bring his sons also and put coats on them and anoint them as you've anointed their father and as they may serve me as priests and their anointing shall admit them to a perpetual priesthood throughout the generations. This Moses did according to all that the Lord commanded him, so he did. All right, now let's keep watching for that phrase that I had just read earlier there, the one that says, as the Lord commanded Moses. You're gonna see that again, repeating several times. All right, let's do verses now 17 through 33. Here we go. Now bring us almost to the end. In the first month of the second year, on that first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its bases. He set up its frames. He put in its poles. He raised up its pillars. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over it as the Lord commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it in the ark and he put the poles on the ark and set the mercy seat above the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the screen and screened the ark of the testimony as the Lord commanded Moses. He put the table and the tent on in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the veil and arranged the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. And he put the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table in the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the veil and burnt fragrant incense on it as the Lord commanded Moses. And he put in place the screen for the door of the tabernacle and set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and offered on it the burnt offering and the grain offering as the Lord commanded Moses. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water on it for washing with which Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet. When they had went to the tent of meeting, when they had approached the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded Moses. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. Now, as I've confessed before on sections like this, in the past, my eyes have just glossed over those words because they seem like, well, that was then, this is now. These words still have so much to say to us today. Moses did as God instructed now the tabernacle was missing only one thing, the most important thing, the presence of God. With a show of hands, how many of you would say that is the most important thing? And how many of you would also be able to say you've had moments where you've experienced the presence of God in a particular moment, in a particular place? Anyone else testify to that? This is one of the reasons why in the announcements earlier here during the welcome, we talked about we're going to try to go forward and figure out how to do a, a, a retreat at Covenant Pines. Because those retreats are times where people often experience the presence of God in a special way. So let's figure out how we can do that in a safe and responsible way. But here's the thing. Is God limited to camp? No! May we never, ever, ever build a building or rent a space or offer any kind of program where we are not intentionally welcoming the presence of God. Can I get an amen to that? 
All right, verses 34 through 35. Let me see if I can find them now that I closed my Bible. Here we go. 34 through 35. So everything is all set. Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Let's talk about this a little bit. Remember how I asked you to look for patterns and parallels and repeated phrases. Well, the structure of this chapter was so carefully crafted. In verses 1 through 8, and you can go back and look at this. In verses 1 through 8, the Lord gives Moses seven sets of instructions. Seven is a number that's repeated often in the Bible. It's symbolic of completion. In verses 9 through 16 then, the Lord says, okay, when everything is in its place, anoint this, then this, then this, then this, then this. In verses 17 through 33, Moses does everything that the Lord instructs him to do, and he does it in seven stages. And each stage concludes with that repeated phrase, as the Lord commanded Moses. And then, when everything is in place, when all is as God said it should be, and all was consecrated, what happened? Glory of the Lord descended on that place. The cloud that was first seen in Exodus 13, as the great Exodus from Egypt began, the cloud that was last seen by the people at the top of Mount Sinai in chapter 24, that cloud now settled right in the middle of their camp. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. As Exodus ends, everything is in place. The people of God have been set free. God had led them to this holy mountain. God gave them protective and purposeful laws. God gave specific instructions for a special tent of meeting. The work was finished. The tabernacle and the priests were consecrated. And God came near. I invite you to write this down too. God remained faithful to his promise to deliver and to dwell. Exodus ends right where it should, with Moses right there at the threshold. And he's waiting for an invitation that comes at the very first verse of the very first chapter in the very next book of the Bible. And what is that? What is that next book? It's Leviticus. And this epic book, the book of Exodus, closes with these words. Here they are. We've been on this journey 10 weeks. Here's how it ends. Verses 36 through 38. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out until the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire was in it by night. In the sight of all the house of Israel, throughout all their journeys. As the book of Exodus comes to a close, a new Exodus is about to begin. God's people were about to embark from Sinai on a whole new adventure. And God 
would be with them as they went. As this series on the book of Exodus comes to a close, I've got a question for you. The question is this, what's keeping you from crossing the threshold? What, if anything, is keeping you from saying, I am in, I am, I'm here at the entrance, God is right there, I'm in, I'm taking that step, I'm taking that step of faith. When the cloud moves, I'll move. When the cloud stops, I'll stop. When he gives instructions, I'll listen, knowing that he is with me on this journey, knowing that when I fall short, when I lose my way, he is compassionate, he's gracious, he is slow to anger. He is abounding in unrelenting love and faithfulness, knowing that this journey that we're on together is going to lead me home. I'm in. What's keeping you from that? What's keeping you from crossing that threshold today? Is it questions? Questions about the rationality of faith? Questions about the reliability of Scripture? I've been there. Maybe it's about evidence. If God is real, Why doesn't he just prove it the way I think he should? I've been there. For some, it might be pain. Why would a good God allow so much suffering, so much evil in this world? I've been there in that too. For some, especially in the pre-COVID world, it could be a lack of perceived need. Hey, you might be thinking, that works for you. But me, I'm good. I've been there too. For some, it's the cost. There are some things that God says no to that we want to say yes to and vice versa. Been there. And when I say I've been there, what I mean is often I'm still there. I get it. I've got questions. I'm not completely in a full understanding of why he doesn't offer the evidence I think he should. I see a lot of evil that I think should be eradicated. And there are things the Bible says I shouldn't do that I want to do. What compels me to cross that threshold? And when I lose my way, as we all do, what brings me back? That does. That does. The cross. Jesus Christ. As we've pointed out throughout this series, Exodus points to Jesus. Moses He wasn't able to enter the Holy of Holies in Exodus 40. In Jesus, the fullness of God wasn't just present, it dwelt. In the fullness of time, that word became flesh and tabernacled among us in an incomparable act of grace and mercy. He sacrificed his life on a cross for us. What brings me back to the threshold? What compels me to cross it? The cross does. And the one who went to the cross for you and me, he promised to send a helper. He promised to send the Holy Spirit who dwells not just in a temple built by hands, but he resides in the one who was knit together in your mother's womb. He can live and dwell in us. We become temples of the Holy Spirit. As the book of Exodus comes to a close, everything was ready for God's presence to descend. How much more so is everything ready for you? 
If you're not to that threshold yet, if you're not to the place where you're able to say, yeah, maybe you've got those questions, you, you've got all these, these, these obstacles that are keeping you from crossing that line, I get that. I was there for years and we'd be happy to help. There's never been a time in history where there have been more or better resources for people who are sincerely seeking answers. And we'd love to equip you with resources. We'd love to, to have conversations with you. Whatever we can do to help you come to that place where you can make that decision to say, I'm in, I'm in. But for others, you're there and it's time to take that step for the first time or for the first time again. What did Moses do right before he started work on that tabernacle? Does anyone remember? What happened? Where we were back, if you go back to chapter 34, we, we left off with verse 8, where God disclosed what he'd already demonstrated. Well, right after that, he bowed his head and he worshiped. He bowed his head and he worshiped. That was 34.8. Here's what comes next, 34.9. And then Moses said, If now I've found favor in your sight, O Lord, please, let the Lord go in the midst of us. For it is a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. Oh, wow. Raise your hand if you can be stubborn. Every hand in this room is up. Raise your hand if you can be resistant to the things that God has for us. Every hand is up. Raise your hand if you've sinned and fallen short of the person that the God of the Bible calls you to be. Every one of us has got our hands up in this room. There's a cross that testifies to the fact that God invites you to become his son and his daughters. He's made a way. He wants to welcome you home. And not just welcome you home, but he wants to go forth with you from this place. If you're watching this at home, he wants to reside with you in your home. Everything is ready. Next step is yours. Let's bow our heads and then let's worship with a great song that speaks to what was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Exodus. Thank you for this remarkable document that has stood the test of time. Thank you for this remarkable work that still speaks to us today. Father, we pray that you would now give us the strength, the courage to take that step where we say, I'm in. And Father, that we would experience not only that challenge to become all that you've called us to be, but we would feel that sense of that is true of this loving Father who is cheering us on in this journey. Lord, we pray this not only for us as individuals, we pray this for us as a church. Continue to refine us as fire through this time. Bring us through this wilderness to the future and the destiny that you have prepared for us. 
Help us to be faithful each step of the way and to follow you. And Father, we are just honored and humbled that you would choose to dwell in our midst. Help us to honor and represent you well. In Jesus' name, amen.